So I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 20, and for review, we'll start at the fifth commandment, and so I'll read five to nine, and then we'll jump over to Ephesians chapter four. Um, This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse 12, says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then jumping over to um, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll begin verse 20 there. Ephesians chapter 4 says, But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in your spirit, in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ninth commandment. Lord, thank you for giving us tongues and the ability to speak. But Lord, we need help that we would rein in uh, this part of our body that so often uh, sins. So Lord, I ask your Holy Spirit to move in me and in them for all of our good and for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to begin with a story actually from the 1950s. Uh, There were five missionaries. Some of you are familiar with this story. Um, Jim Elliott was one of them. Another one was Nate Sane and three other of their friends. They um, had gone to Ecuador, and they come to learn um, of the Wadani tribe. This is a violent, very violent tribe that anyone else that got near them had died. They murdered them. Um, They would spear everyone that got anywhere close. And so, obviously, not too many people knew about these folks or had visited them. So they just had their hearts love these people, and they want to reach out to them. Nate Saint's a pilot um, with Mission Aviation, Aviation Fellowship. And uh, so he um, rigs up this thing on his plane where he drops a line down with a bucket, and he circles around, and he keeps the bucket stationary and takes them gifts. And so he lowers it below the, above them, and he gives them, they give them different gifts. And then finally, this tribe starts putting gifts back in it. They're like, oh, this is great. We're having this good connection. Finally, they find this sandy patch to land on. Um, they land. Um, and so all their wives are listening by radio, uh, just a, in safety in another tribe. And they, they go in, and so three um, of the Wadani uh, 
villagers, Indians, come out to him. So a, a young man, a young woman, and an older woman. Uh, the young man is named uh, Nankiwi, and uh, they have great conversation. They take some of them up for a flight in the plane. They've never been in a plane. I mean, these people are very primitive, and uh, they have fun with them. They give them gifts. They talk. Well, the young man and woman, they leave. They disappear into the woods, and the older woman is still there. They're talking. Um, then she leaves, and uh, they do this for several days. And, uh, but what they don't know is that uh, that older woman was actually chaperoned to the young couple. Um, he wanted to marry her, and then Kiwi wanted to marry the girl as another wife, and the brother was opposed to it. Well, they come back without the chaperone, and there's this huge uproar in their little village. And uh, they say, we're, we're, we'll spear you, Nankiwi. Um, this is, they solved everything with homicide. They had a very, very high homicide right there. And um, so here's Nankiwi. And he's, he's in a tough spot, isn't he? And so to save his own skin, what does he say? He says, oh, we had to run from those, those foreigners. They were going to kill us. And so we had to run. No, no, why don't, don't spear me. If we're going to spear someone, let's go spear them. And that's what happened. The tribe believed his lie. Uh, They went back, and they speared those five missionaries to death. Honesty is a big deal. One lie got five missionaries killed. We're looking at the ninth commandment this morning. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Honesty is a big deal. Now, of course, that's not the end of the story for the Wadani. It was long from over. But we have this part of our body, which many would argue is the most dangerous part of your body, and it is your tongue. With your tongue, much damage has been done. Is that not true? It has great power. Our words do. Our words do. You know, James 3 compares it to a ship rudder or to a tiny spark that creates a huge forest fire, right? Just a tiny little object that impacts such a huge thing, whether it's a fire or a rudder. It is our tongue. So we're talking about the ninth commandment, sins of the tongue today. Um, now, as you remember the other commandments, the way God did this was, you know, there's a whole series. We, each one, we look at this big umbrella, right? Do not murder. It covers all kinds of stuff. Anger and hitting and hatred, right? All these different things. But it lists the command in its, its most extreme form, right? Do not murder. And it covers everything under it, right? So do not commit adultery is the most extreme. It covers do not lust. It covers pornography. All kinds of, right? All smaller things along that spectrum. So this is actually written, look at, the, look at the command again, in legal terms. This is, if in Hebrew, this would be legal language. It says, do not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The picture of this is a court of law. When you're under oath, you should say the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? That's what they say. And so, because if you lie under oath, the wrong guy either gets punished or gets away. So that's how it's written. But you know, you expect this by the ninth commandment, you know. We're going to cover a huge, huge swath of sins, right? Let me just list a bunch of them. These all fall under this big umbrella. Um, Kids, lying to your parents. Spouses, lying to your spouse. Lying to employers. Um, Gossip, listening uh, without searching out the truth. When you hear gossip and you just believe it and you repeat it. Um, Flattery giving empty compliments, rewriting history. I'm letting your words and your actions be very different. They aren't the same. What you say and what you do is very different. All these things and many other things, right, fall under this umbrella of the ninth commandment. We're going to unpack a few of these. Look at page seven. You're, you're going to see the layout, how we're going to do this. Here's the outline. 
Um, first, imitate God, the father of all truth. Second, do not imitate Satan, the father of lies. And then third, put off the old self, put on the new self. So first, imitate God, the father of the truth. Look in verse 24 in Ephesians. So the rest of the time we'll be looking at the Ephesians passage, so keep that handy. In verse 24, he said, put on the new self, created in whose likeness? Created after the likeness of God. Well, what is God like? As you know, God always tells the truth. What he says and what he does is 100% synonymous. Wouldn't that be great? That's the way God is. Everything he says, he does. He keeps every promise he makes. A verse I love about this is Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Isn't that good? That's our God. Everything he says he does. He never lies. He never changes his mind. There is zero disconnect between his words and his actions. This is a wonderful, comforting reality. We started the service thinking about that. I mean, we just take it for granted. Now, if you came out of paganism, you wouldn't take it for granted, right? If you had, before you were a Christian, had worshipped other gods, now, of course, they're make-believe. Of course, we know that, but they don't know that. If you're worshiping pagan gods, particularly Greek gods with many others, they're, all, they're fickle, right? They're always changing. You never know when they might strike you with lightning or be angry or grumpy. We just take it for granted. God is always the same. You always know what you're going to get with God. It's so good. Do you know anyone like that? Right, of course there's trustworthy people and, and liars, but even a trustworthy person, eventually they fail you, don't they? Eventually, everyone messes up eventually. They forget stuff. They um, and had good intentions. What if that wasn't the case? What if we lived in a world where there are no lies? I mean, parents, what if you, everything your kids told you, you 100% knew it was true. Wouldn't that be great? You live in that world. Kids, wouldn't it be great if everything your parents told you 100% of the time they were going to do? Wouldn't that be great? Right? It would be great if we lived in a world like that. Every, everything a politician said, you knew it was going to happen. Wouldn't that be great? Every commercial was no exaggeration, just plain facts. Imagine such a world. I long to, do you long to be in a world like that? Long to be in a world like that. Now, heaven, of course, will be like that. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Is this not what we're praying? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's, there's nothing but truth, right? Wouldn't it be great? That's what you're praying. God, I wish that the way things are in heaven, it would be like that here. Now imagine, if I, if I say, hey, I'm going to meet you for lunch this Tuesday, how long would you wait for me if I don't show? 15 minutes? An hour? I mean, by two hours, you are long gone. Okay, why? Think about this, because I'm a human and I can forget things. Jesus made a promise. He said he was going to, he was going to do something, and he hasn't done it yet. It was... 2,000 years ago that he made that promise. He said, I'm going to come back and get you. And they looked up at the sky and he said, no, no, the angel said, don't, you can, you can go on back. You don't have to like stay here on this hill waiting for him to come back, right? You have confidence that Jesus is going to keep his promise and he made it 2,000 years ago. The reason you can do that is because you know 
deep in your heart that he keeps his promises. You have no doubt. It's not that, well, because it's not happening so long, he must be lying to us. Or you would assume that about me. Either I lied or I just forgot. You are not going to stay there and wait but so long. This is what's so good. What we need to appreciate is God. we trust God. And we should be this way. But we should also imitate him. We should be like that. We should want to be like that. This is the foundation of all the commands is God's character. Foundations of all the commands is God's character. Because God is truth, therefore you should not lie. You were made in the image of God, and so we should imitate him in this. Make sense? Okay, so now that's the first part. The second part is Satan. Because what's the deal? Why do we have such a hard time telling the truth is Satan. So Satan, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, garden, right? So Satan comes as a serpent to Eve, and what does he do? He lies to her, doesn't it? He lies about what God said and the consequences. Okay, let, let me read a verse to you. This is Genesis 3, verse 4 and 5. The serpent said to the woman, you will surely die. For God, no, you will not surely die, right? The exact opposite of what God said. For God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will see God. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. I mean, he's just saying absolute falsehood, right? He's lying to her. He has lied to every human being since then. Every, to this day, he is a liar. He continues to lie. Jesus said this in John 8, 44. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He said, you are of your father, the devil. That's strong words. Your will is to do your father's desires, speaking of Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, lying is Satan's native language. That's what he speaks naturally. It's just what comes out of his mouth naturally. So in verse 25, look back at our passage in Ephesians 4. It says, um, put on the new self created after the likeness of God. That's you're supposed to imitate. That was point one. In true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, putting away all lies, let each one speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Now, first it's talking about anger there. Right? When you don't deal with anger, give an opportunity. But it's also about the verse that came right before that, about truth. Stop speaking falsehood. It gives opportunity to the devil. The devil wants everyone to imitate him. To speak his language. Why? Because he hates God, and God is truth. So just like we want to be like God because he speaks the truth, it's the foundation of the ninth Satan is fighting the other direction, says, be like me. He's always whispering in our ear, just lie. If you lie, it'll, it'll make your problems go away. It's very expedient. That's what Satan says. Now, there's some truth to it. It is expedient, but it's, it does not do good. You know, often in a lie, there's three parties involved in a lie. Um, so kids, let's just take an everyday situation. Uh, say you break something in your house. Say there's a vase that breaks, and your mom says, did you break this? And you say, no, my brother did. Okay? So, all right, so we have three parties. We have mom, we have the, the per, you, and then you have um, your sibling, okay? So how is everybody hurting this? Well, mom is just, if she punishes your brother, your mom is unknowingly just done wrong, right? She's punished an innocent person. Okay, that's not good. 
You, on the other hand, you've lied. And when you lie, you, people don't trust you eventually. You don't trust other people because you say, I don't tell the truth. No one else is going to tell me the truth, right? So you're destroying your own life. And then your poor brother, right? He got punished. He didn't do anything, right? So basically everybody loses. Everyone loses in a lie. There's no winner except for Satan. And that's why Satan just loves it. He, he wants to destroy all of us. You know, our church, we think often of John 10.10. 10. Part of our vision statement comes from that. It says the thief comes only to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Satan's not here for your good. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But I, Jesus says, have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So Satan is here to destroy people's lives. Yep, that's pretty much what he's up to. You know, do you, have you ever heard the story in Acts 5? It's a wild story. Read this with your kids sometime. It'll wake them up. Ananias and Sapphira. You ever heard that story? So I'll give you the short version. Guy and his wife say, hey, we're going to sell this piece of property. We're going to give all the proceeds to the church, okay? But we, what we won't tell them is we'll keep a little bit back for ourselves. Like, what a, what a terrible idea. It all belonged to them. They just say, hey, here's, here's 80% of what we sold. Here's a good chunk of it, right? But they lie and say, here's every, every penny of it, right? And so here's these verses. This is Acts 5. And Peter said, Anan, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? See, Peter knows where he came from. To lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourselves part of the proceeds of the land. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. He dropped dead, literally. His wife, I won't read that, it takes too long. She came in and did, lied right again. She dropped dead. The word spread of this. So may it spread in your house. You shouldn't lie. Now see, if, if you saw someone, if we had someone who dropped dead in the back because they were lying, I guarantee kids, you'd be way less tempted to lie. Here's the problem. You lie and you get away with it. And you're like, well, that didn't go so bad. It was expedient. It, it got me what I wanted. I got out of trouble. I got an extra cookie. I didn't have to finish my homework. I got to go play outside, whatever. It was expedient. Got what you wanted. That's so dangerous. So kids, why is telling your parents a lie just once in a while a really big deal? Well, the Bible says it's a big deal. It's giving an opportunity to the devil it destroys trust. Now, when are you most tempted to lie? Is it about food or your homework or screen time? When is it? Now, parents, I do want to give you one word of advice. Do be careful. You can actually increase the temptation to lie by putting excessive pressure on your kids. If you interrogate them, they're just, it just, it's, it's um, fodder for lies, right? There should be space that they can confess their sins. There'll still be consequences and discipline, but you aren't, don't interrogate them. It just, you are not doing yourself any favors. But kids, lying really is a big deal. It's more addictive than drugs or vaping. It's a very slippery slope. God warns of this in Luke 16. He says, one who is faithful in very little will be faithful with much. He who is unfaithful or dishonest with a little is also dishonest with much. Kids, think about your future. Do you hope to have a job someday? Many people have lost jobs because of being dishonest. What you are learning right now is how you will act as an adult. If you lie now, you'll likely lie then. 
dishonesty is one of Satan's favorite tools. He wants to destroy your life. Do we ever, and this is for adults too, do you always tell the whole truth? Do you sometimes bend it a little? Remember last week's sermon. The resurrection changes everything. If you're a Christian, you are really forgiven. He paid for every time you've been dishonest, every time you've stretched the truth. This gives you the freedom to confess. Bring it into the light. Let me tell you two quick stories. When I was in sixth grade, I got caught up in this lying group. Like we were all cheating off each other, and we did it based on everything because we weren't getting caught, and so you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it, and finally someone got caught, and they they rat on all of us. And uh, that was memorable. Got in a lot of trouble for that, and uh, but um, and so I learned an important lesson. Yeah, it doesn't pay off. And uh, so then, let me fast forward all the way to college. So, big helpful lesson. Um, so I lying was not a part, a big part of my life. It was then in sixth grade um, in college. So I'm at Virginia Tech, and I'm taking some class. I'm doing a lab or something after class. I'm the only one there in the classroom, and uh, and I need something for the legitimately for it. I mean, it's in a closet. It's a locked closet. And so I use a skill I have, and I pop the lock thing. I get the door in, um, and I get whatever I need. And it is legitimate for the assignment. I do it. But then the professor comes in and says, I thought that was locked. I was on the spot, and so I lied. I said, I forgot what I said. Someone left it open, I guess. And, uh, but it, it ate up my conscience. He didn't know, and it was no big deal. Um, but it was because there was a lie. And it, God had pressed on me through the years, you don't lie and it's a big deal. So I went back, if you can believe this, I went back to that professor and I told him, you're going to believe this, I'm really sorry. I lied. I, the door wasn't open. I popped it open. Will you please forgive me? I blew the professor away. Like, he, I doubt that probably happened too much to him. And uh, he was gracious. He forgave me. And he said, yeah, don't do that again, but you're fine. Um, what, what did I do? What lesson did we learn from sixth grade to college? This time I did not bring it into the light. I just got caught. I had no choice. Here what I did was I realized that you need to bring it into the light. Let me read this from 1 John 1, 6, and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness where we hide things, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Here's the point. Bring it into the light. Kids, some of you this afternoon need to have a conversation with your parents. You need to fess up. You just tell them, hey, I've, I lied about this. this I, I didn't tell the truth about this. You will, this will, you'll feel so much better. It's eating up you, but it will, it will make it so much easier to tell the truth in the future. There, there is something about solitude. You are left alone with your sin. Do not stay alone. And this is true of all kinds of sin. Some of you, married couples, you need to talk to your spouse. You've not been completely honest about something and it would do your soul good just to fess up and say, you know what? I, I wasn't completely open about this. Will you forgive me? You have to bring it into the light. If you want to be a truth teller, if you want to obey the ninth commandment, you have to at some point just humble yourself and eat humble pie and say, hey, I wasn't completely honest. I say this for your good. Satan's the only one that doesn't want you to do this. God does and I do. And your spouse would appreciate it. And your parents. And you would. You will be glad you did. I've never regretted humbling myself and acknowledging my sin. Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. 
Okay, so we've looked at God, imitate God. We've looked at Satan, don't imitate him. Finally, we come to ourselves. Okay, let's look at ourselves. Third and finally, put off the old self, put on the new self. Look back at verses 22. It says, to put off the old self, what's the old self like? Which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupted through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you believe that you have a new self? Or maybe I should ask you, do you believe you have an old self? You might have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, let me explain real quick. The scripture often speaks of the old man, the, old, the flesh, the old self. And what this is talking about is what you inherited. Ever since Adam and Eve created perfect, as soon as they sin, sin entered them. If I were to take a bottle of water and put one drop of food coloring, I probably said this before, it's a great illustration, it would not stay on the top. It would mix in. All my water would be whatever color. Sin is that way. It got into the DNA stream or somehow, whatever it is, it got into us with Adam and Eve, and it has been carried down. And so I was born in sin. Parents, did you have to teach your kids to lie and hit and scream? No. This is why. They were born with this. You were born with this. We all, is that yourself? You started with that, your old self, your old nature. When you become a Christian, if you're a Christian here this morning, you have a new self. You have a new self. There's a great verse. It's worth memorizing. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. I've said this to my own heart many times because sometimes you don't feel like you have a new self. You just feel like a scoundrel. You just feel crummy. You feel like all I am is just this flesh. I can't do anything right. But no, Scripture says I have a new self. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Now there's this power struggle the rest of your life as a Christian between your flesh, your old self, and the new self. So this passage says what? Put off the old self, put on the new self. Very helpful. What happens when you become a Christian is the slavery to sin is broken. You still have it, but it is not your ruler. It is not your master if you're a Christian. Please hear that and believe that. This is really good news. Even if you've lied your whole life, there is hope because of the cross and the empty tomb. Now I want to quickly address Two sins that are very socially accepted in the South. Now, let me step on some toes here. I know we're in the South. Many of you grew up in the South. Let's talk about two. There's actually one that's nice and one that's not so nice. I'll start with the the more straightforward one. It's not so nice. It's called gossip. Gossip. Now, why would gossip fit under the Ninth Commandment? Because often included in gossip is exaggeration or just complete falsehood. Just make something up because you're angry. Or you just exaggerate it a little bit. Okay? In the South, this is okay. Right? You, now, if you don't say to their face, that would be completely unacceptable. Just say it behind their back, and that's okay. It's called gossip. It breaks the ninth commandment. You know, at verse 29, look down at verse 29. This is one of the best verses. It puts great guardrails around your tongue. We need this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Gossip is almost always corrupting talk. It says, don't let it come out of your mouth. But only that which is good for building up. Does gossip build up? Nope. As fits the occasion, never fits the occasion, that it may give grace. Does gossip ever give grace to anyone? No. You see how this verse completely contradicts it. It says, these are the boundaries around our words. It must do these things. 
Gossip never does. As I often say in my house, is what you're telling me going to help me think better or worse of your sister? Worse. Right? We're, if you're tattling, right, we do it too as adults. Right? We're talking about other people. We wouldn't believe what so-and-so did. Or we get more sanctified. You should, could you pray for so-and-so? They're really struggling with blah, 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 blah. Still gossip. All right, so that's, that's the not very nice one. But what about the nice one? How can you sin in this way? Nicely. It's called flattery. They go great together. It's a great pair. Here's what we do in the South. We say the nicest things to people, and then behind their back, we murder them with our words. Is that not the truth? That's what happens in the South. We say empty things about how much we like people, how we'd love to spend time with them. We'd love to have, we should have you over for a cookout sometime. I'd love to get, we should get together sometime. They do not mean a word of that. They don't. I mean, some people do, but some people don't. But we just accept that. Yeah, it's just, they're just being friendly, right? Our words and our actions, there's often a great distance between those. It is not supposed to, the ninth commandment says, have no distance between those two, right? Flattery. We say things we don't mean, whether it's words about what we're going to do or what we think of them. A verse just a few prior to what we read in verse 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. In modern translation, I'll put it, I say and testify to you in the Lord that you must no longer walk as good Southerners in the futility of their minds. Now, you might not be from the South. That's okay. You got your own sins culturally that you're bringing to the table, and we can talk about those some other time. But we're just going to hit on most of you some good Southern sins. It's true, isn't it? It is very socially accepted, but it should not be. Kids, you should tell your parents the truth and do what you say you'll do. Parents, you should do what you say. If you say it to your kids, you should do it. Now, I do recommend, I would not use the word promise. You probably use the word promise more than you should. Do not promise ice cream, anything else. Promise that you'll be a faithful parent. You'll never leave them and abandon them. But you are not sovereign over the world, and so don't make promises that are just ideas, like I intend to take you for ice cream, right? So there you go. You can be more faithful. Do you ever text this? This is for the younger generation or young adults. Sorry I flaked. Sorry I flaked. You know what? That's words not in the Bible. The Bible usually just calls that dishonesty. Right now, of course, we all forget things once in a while, but if you are regularly sending that text, sorry I flaked, there's probably an issue with the ninth commandment. We should be people of our word. We do what we say. This is very culturally, culturally accepted in our day. But it should not be. You know, one of our core values is real friendship. We define it this way. You'll see this written places. It says, we enjoy being authentic and vulnerable as we love and encourage each other. Everyone knows about fake Sunday smiles and surface relationships in which everyone tries to appear that we have it all together. We disdain superficiality with a passion. We want to create an environment where everyone can be themselves. In short, people who really know each other and still love each other. Brothers and sisters, we cannot succeed at that if we do not obey the ninth commandment. If we are given to flattery and gossip, we will not have real friendships. And so we must set those things aside and stop those things. 
You remember I told you about the Wadani tribe. I'd like to tell you the end of that story. So after those five missionaries were speared, do you know what happened next? Those wives were crushed. Elizabeth Elliot, wife of Jim Elliot, whose husband had just died, they stayed there and continued with the, where they were. But then two women came out from the tribe, from the Wadani, and came out and said, we'd like to take you back. Can you imagine being Elizabeth Elliot? And she had a little tiny baby girl. And so they began to talk and, and converse with them more. They, you won't believe this. They went back. They went with those two women into the Wadani tribe, along with um, Nate Saint, who was the pilot who had been murdered, with his sister, Rachel Saint. Can you believe this? They led most of that tribe to Christ. It's unbelievable. I mean, the free, this, is, this is only possible in the gospel. The gospel, the forgiveness of those people. The lie that got them, one lie got them all, all those missionaries murdered. And they went back because they really, the wives really loved those people. They led many, some of the men who actually speared their husbands, they led to Christ. Unbelievable. I'll really take this full circle. Fast forward many years. The son, remember Nankiwi, who lied, who got all this started. His son learns to fly from Steve Saint, the son of Nate Saint. So the son, the son of the liar who got all the missionaries killed, the son of the missionary teaches him to fly, to fly supplies in and out. It's unbelievable. If this is possible, they had real friendships based on trust and love between these murderous Indians and these people because of the gospel. That is my hope for you. My hope for you and for Cane Bay if it's possible in Ecuador, in this crazy tribe, it's absolutely possible here, isn't it? That we're able to forgive each other. If you've been a liar, if you have not, your word and what you do is not the same, whether you're a child or an adult, there's absolutely hope for you. You can have real friendships, but it does require humility. It does require bringing it into the light. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray that it be true of us. We thank you. Lord, that the gospel shown through in Ecuador, I pray, I plead with you that it would in Cane Bay. I pray in our lives that you would help us, save us from these sins of flattery and gossip, from lying to parents and spouses and employers, even about small things. Lord, that we would be truth tellers. Lord, thank you that you are that way. We come with such confidence as we're about to worship you again, that we know what we're going to get. You never ever change. We want to imitate you. Protect us from imitating Satan. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.